Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thanks very much for choosing to listen to this. I'm Mark Stephen. A few years ago, I was in Norway talking to a lecturer at an agricultural college there and he told me that in Norway, you're actually not allowed to buy a farm unless you've either been raised in a farming family or you hold some sort of agricultural qualification. The idea is very simple. Nobody, they reckon, should be in charge of a chunk of land or livestock if they don't know what they're doing. And it got me to thinking about how we do things here in Scotland. I mean, obviously, people do grow up in farming families here in Scotland, and inevitably they pick up how things have been done. But where do the new ideas come from? And what if you're not lucky enough to have been born into a farming family? Farming in Scotland is an industry that's increasingly data and science-based, and that takes some form of education or training. Now, some of that will be in a classroom, but some of it is bound to be work-based. Sheena Howden is Lantra Scotland's project manager, which means that she coordinates the Lantra Scotland work plan. Sheena's lived and breathed farming all her life, and she's passionate about helping new entrants into the industry and developing the skills of those already there. Sheena, thanks for agreeing to do this. No problem at all. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's nice to have you. Sort of an umbrella question of sorts for a start. Tell me about Lantra. What does Lantra do? Um, Lantra is the, well, Lantra Scotland is the sector skills council for the land-based agriculture environmental sector. We do have our colleagues down um, in Stoneleigh run the sort of commercial arm of Lantra and a lot of the training courses. But Lantra Scotland, we are funded by the Scottish government to deliver a work plan And really, the work plan focuses on supporting skills development within the sector from ensuring the qualifications are fit for purpose, supporting new entrants, supporting employers. And we've been asked to manage various funds to support the sector, things like the Women in Agriculture Practical Training Fund, the new Climate Change Adaptation and Mitigation Fund. So it's all to do with skills development in the sector. So essentially, I I must confess I've made the assumption that you were predominantly aimed at young people, but it doesn't sound like it. Not at all. New entrants can be anything from a 16-year-old coming in and doing something like the pre-apprenticeship through to career changers as well, because and also existing farmers and staff, upskilling. Upskilling is a key part of what we do at the moment as well. You've obviously got a wide variety of goodies to offer, but how do folks find out about it? How do they know what you've got? We do promote a lot on social media. We work um, in partnership. We sit on the Skills for Farming group. The Skills for Farming group has training providers, Skills Development Scotland, SQA, QMS have actually just joined, and so has SAOS. So partners are also, we all work together to look at skills gaps, to look at how we can fill those gaps, what's missing. We promote a lot. We have a, a newsletter that goes out. We do a lot on social media, but a lot of it is collaboration and working with others. Coming back to, you know, thinking about young people, I was just trying to imagine you know, careers night at the local secondary school and what have you, and some kid rolls up and says, I want to work in farming. Would the careers officer have the faintest idea what was an offer there? That, I have to say, is a challenge. We have many of the key influencers, and these are career advisors, teachers, parental guardians, 
who have a lack of knowledge of the opportunities within the industry. And that can lead to students being discouraged from working in the industry. But we are trying to do a lot behind the scenes. You know, the likes of we run an annual event, a career influencer event. Um, There were 300 signed up, mostly career advisors and teachers, because they wanted to learn more about what opportunities are within the land-based sector. So there are there's lots of go- there's a lot of knowledge gaps, but there's also quite a lot happening to try and fill those knowledge gaps. So once you'd captured your three hundred, what was their reaction? Were they quite surprised at the range? Yes, some of the comments we we asked for feedback and we evaluated the event and the feedback that we received from um, a lot of them where they have, were not aware of the opportunities and they were. What was more important to us is that they were going to do something about it, that they were going to share what they had learned, they were going to look up um, the websites, ask for further information. We have a lot of videos, career brochures, there's a lot of information out there to help support these career advisors and teachers. So a lot of it is just pointing them even to the, the QMS, New Farming Footsteps and Everything you know. If we know what other partners are doing, um, everybody can help share the information among others as well. When it comes to training courses, you know, it doesn't matter what age the people are. Does it tend to be classroom based, or is it you know on the farm? Which is it? There's both. We've got vocational learning, work based learning. We've also got academic learning. So you know, there's a. One way, work-based and vocational learning, that's ideal for students who want to learn through practical training, mentoring with a bit of reading involved. The individual also earns a salary whilst they're learning, which for many actually can be seen as a real positive and that they won't leave college or university with any debt. For something like an apprenticeship, it can be assessed in various ways rather than the more traditional sort of essay and exam method favoured by some academic courses, this can be advantageous to people who prefer to be assessed differently the vocational route and demonstrate their skills in different ways. There are also additional courses delivered by the training provider through the work-based learning route and they're to suit business needs so that the students have then the ability to apply new knowledge to real-life situations straight away, which is really advantageous. We now have a progression route through work-based learning. You can come in at 16 into something like the pre-apprenticeship, progress on to the modern apprenticeship, and there's a new technical apprenticeship in land use and management, which is going to be available through SRUC in the next academic year. So they can actually progress right through without having to go to college or university. But individuals can also come in at different levels and you can move between academic and vocational. Some might go to college to do their national certificate and then do a modern apprenticeship. So you can mix between them both. I know it's it's very, very difficult for new entrants to sort of get a foothold in Scottish farming. I mean, that's been a given for decades now. But right now, is it a buyer as a seller's market? You know, I mean, it, I, I can envisage circumstances where a lot of employers are actually pretty desperate for skilled staff. They are. And we've got to remember that we're actually competing with other industries and sectors. It's not just farming that has labour shortages. We're competing for the same pool of prospective new entrants. So 
we have to look at what is going to make agriculture attractive to new entrants and overcome some of the, the challenges and the perceptions that some may have of the industry. Because those of us that are working industry, we see the advantages. But for those looking from the outside in, may have had a perception that it can be low paid, long hours, poor work balance, you know. I think that's just if you own the farm. Well, um, that's the perception of many. Um, and we really, it's really advantageous if both industry and the stakeholders work collaboratively to address these perceptions and make sure we highlight the positives of working in the industry. Agriculture, we sometimes talk our industry down a bit and look on the negatives, but I think we have to sell the positives to encourage new entrants into the industry. Just in terms of skill transfer or, or education, what are the challenges facing Scottish farming? You mentioned the fact that, you know, obviously there's lots of industries competing for essentially a shrinking workforce. You know, there are these negative perceptions. What else? Well, as it's well documented with an ageing farming population. Um, I think the average age of farm staff, including farmers and those employed, is approaching um, 60. So that's a key challenge. But also farming is facing all the challenges associated with Brexit, with climate change, increasing pressure to become more environmentally sustainable, and even recently the impact of the war in Ukraine. Therefore, really, it's more important than ever at this point to ensure that we safeguard the industry and the availability of farm labour. We've also got transport and accommodation. It can be the location of the work it can be a real challenge because a lot of farms, as we know, are located rurally, which tend to have poor transport infrastructure. And that can deter potential workers who don't have their own personal transport. I also don't know if we do enough to encourage gender and ethnic diversity and how we recruit, because if we encourage that area, that can support a more diverse pool of individuals to the industry and might attract a more diverse pool. So we're trying to ensure that within our sort of career case studies, brochures, etc., that we particularly um, focus on that area because we know more needs to be done. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. One of the things you didn't mention there was telecommunications. Um, I have a friend, and it's a serious issue because a friend, Lorraine, um, who's got three um, hill farms down in the borders, and she's lost two shepherds, two young shepherds, you know, who were coming along very, very nicely, appealing simply because they couldn't get 4G in their phones. I mean, you know, and it sounds laughable, but it, it is it is a fact. But a lot of young people live on their phones, you know, without a phone, you know, it's like missing an arm if they don't have access to um, the internet or to their messages, etc. So yes, for some, that might be something that puts them off going into the industry or perhaps going into a, a more rural farm. I know there's a lot of farms in the central belt, there's a lot of farms who will access 4G, but if we're talking about hill farms and things, yes, that can be a real challenge. Stand it on its head, never mind the youngsters. What are the skills that the older generation have that need to be passed on? How do you go about doing that? Well, the older generation, they've, they've got extensive knowledge and skills and they can play a really important role in sharing these with new entrants. Now, that can be someone who is um, an apprentice, could be on a work placement, an internship, 
or perhaps just someone who's approached um, the farmer asking to get a job at the weekends, say, initially. And I do acknowledge that it's not necessarily just the older generation who have the knowledge and skills. Really, anyone working on a farm can be a really positive role model and mentor. But in, on many farms, it may just be the farmer themselves with no other employees. And it can be a really great start for any new entrants if they're provided with a really positive working environment and someone that has a really good mentoring relationship and helps build their confidence their resourcefulness and really supports new entrants so mentoring is a really key part of taking anyone on if they feel supported if they feel encouraged then they're more than likely to stay and feel part of the business how does Lantra, how, how do educational institutions generally go about future-proofing what they're teaching? Because things are changing very, very fast. I mean, the, 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 there is a lot of digital effort in farming right now that basically just didn't exist at all 10 years ago. At this current time, there's quite a lot happening. We've got a land use apprenticeship review ongoing at the moment. And this is a, an, it's a new approach to designing and developing qualifications and apprenticeships. And, and it's putting employers at the heart of the process. It's an ideal opportunity for employers to sort of lead the change and influence learning and training. And we're asking employers to get involved because we want to ensure that new apprenticeships deliver both the current and the future workforce requirements. There's also a review of the higher national qualifications, the higher national certificate, the higher national diploma. So um, each and next gen review. So they're all they're being reviewed at this current time as well. So I think modern technology, new ways of working for the, the HN, they're looking at increasing the practical experience that the students will have on forums. So it's a an ideal opportunity for industry to get involved on in these both these reviews. There's no nice way of asking this, but I mean, are Scotland's agricultural colleges, etc., you know, really pulling their weight at the moment? Are, are, are they are they looking ahead? I don't think they're sitting on their laurels at all. I mean, one of the the meetings I was at with regards the HN review, we were discussing the agricultural technology course. So there's a particular course focused on um, the technology used in agriculture. And at the moment, they're looking at what that should contain um, and trying to get more students interested in coming on to the course. With the new the reviews of the, the HNs, I think this is an ideal opportunity for industry to come in um, if they've got their own views. Because if you're employing a student coming out of college or coming out of university and you're maybe saying, well, actually, I, I thought they would have more knowledge in a particular area than other areas this is the time to get involved and actually advise at the review stage so that we can ensure that the qualifications are going to be fit for purpose if you'd like to get involved with the land use apprenticeship review and if you'd like to contact land for scotland and we can point you in the right direction and if you'd like to get involved with the higher national qualification review then contact SRUC who are leading on this particular area. Is there anything you would like to see changed in the Scottish system? I think anything I wanted to see change is actually probably happening at the moment. Um, That's quite good. Well, much more. I would say the reviews of the apprenticeship, the reviews of HN, the investment from the Scottish government in skills, 
as I've mentioned before, there's um, this, we've invested in women in agriculture training. They've also got a women in rural economy practical training fund. There was a shortage of instructors um, to deliver training courses. And there's a, a programme been ongoing to bring more instructors in. And now the new climate change fund. So to me, I would say the last, you know, the last 18 months, uh, there's been a real focus on skills development in all different areas. And just remind me, if somebody's listening to this and, you know, they know somebody or they themselves are in a position where they want to improve their skills, where's a good in point? There's a, a new skill, Cedar app. This has been developed to bring courses under one umbrella. It's also, it's got a website, so it has, at the moment, I think about 5,000 courses on it. The new Climate Change Fund, you will apply through the Skillseeder app. So if you're looking for any particular course or just looking for ideas of how you could upskill or develop your skills, I would encourage people to have a look on the, the Skillseeder app and most of our training providers have already got their courses on there. So it's instead of having to look or phone around or do whatever to find, we're trying to ensure that Skillseeder has the majority of training courses on, on one site. It sounds actually a pretty exciting time to be involved in the industry. It is actually. Um, as a farmer myself, I know that developing your, your own skills are just as important as bringing in new entrants to the industry because I've been really impressed with the through the Women in Agriculture Fund, um, the amount of women that have come forward. It's given them the confidence to actually say, well, look, somebody's wanting to invest in upskilling me as an individual. So we've had a, a tremendous amount of applications for women wanting to upskill, which for me personally is a real positive. Yeah. Sheena, been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Next week, we're going to be looking at how further or higher education is adapting to meet the needs of a sustainable red meat industry. Until then, I'm Mark Stephen. I hope you found this useful and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. <laughs>